0: Hello, Real Talk listeners, welcome back to our series of Dysfunctional Teams. Today's episode, we're going to talk about avoiding accountability. Gosh, this is such a dysfunction. Each time we talk about these, it's interesting because like we talk about them building on each other, but there are actually teams that are avoiding holding each other accountable. And this is a dysfunction that happens in teams. totally is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Michelle, tell
0: us about avoiding accountability and what that looks like from a dysfunctional perspective.
1: I actually want to talk about it first from a functional perspective. (laughs) I think I've talked about this particular team before, but when I started working for an organization called Kinko's many years ago, I worked at Kinko's while I was going to college. I mean, it was a fairly big company. There were 700 locations when I started working for them but it still felt like a very small business. Like it, it felt like any day you could expect your leader to come in the door, put on an apron and help you work at any moment of the day, right? So there was, there was a ton of accountability. It was clear what we wanted to accomplish, what our priorities were. It was really clear where we were going and accountability was peer to peer. What I mean by that, it wasn't, Well, it's the problem with our culture is we've turned the word accountability into equaling, I'm going to write you up somehow, or I'm going to take you in the office and have a very serious conversation with you. And that wasn't the culture that we created. We created a culture where if you were walking by someone who was making a mistake on a project or a job, you would stop and you'd say, hey, you're about to... Let me show you how to do that right so that we don't have to redo it. And no one felt offended. No one felt like they were being reprimanded. It truly, when accountability in a team environment is done well, it feels like teamwork. I mean, there's no other way to explain it. It doesn't feel like your peers are coaching you. In fact, I almost wish we could remove the words coaching and feedback from all of the concept of leadership, because I think that's where we tend to take it to this place of it feels scary in an office and there's going to be paperwork involved. What we're really just talking about is, hey, I notice you're about to get into a situation and I think I can help you get out of it. Let's talk about that. And in return, I expected that same response from my peers. I expected them to go, oh, Michelle?" We actually we used to have one particular employee. She was uh, our courier. We always used to brag about how she could defuse an angry customer by just walking up. Like she would, she would smile, walk up, smile, and just like that, customer was happy. By the end of the conversation, she was invited to like their first child's wedding and all of the family reunions. Like, it was crazy how good she did it, right? And in the beginning of my life, it was not something that I did well. As you guys know, I tend to be really direct. So as a 19-year-old, it was likely that if a customer was wrong, I was going to say, well, like, that's what you told me. And so we would protect each other like she would, and we would do it so gracefully that no one knew. If she saw that I was in a situation that I couldn't handle or it was getting a little heated, she would walk up. She would touch me on the shoulder. She would look at the customer and she would say, I apologize. She has an emergency on the phone. I'm going to take over. Um, I just really need, she's really got to answer that phone. And that became our code for all of us. And so she did it one time. I went in the back, picked up a phone. Nobody was there. And um, she had left me a note that said, just sit back here and shut up for a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> um, we took care of the customer, moved on. I saved face. And then that became kind of our code to protect each other from getting into a situation with a customer that was going to be uncomfortable. We just walk up and would say, Hey, I apologize for the interruption. He has an emergency phone call. And then they would just walk away. The new person would step in, take over and resolve the situation. That's what Accountability really means at its core. It's not about saying you did this wrong or you sucked at this, or it's about how do I step up and hold everyone to the same standards. And it's funny, this particular employee, she would coach us all the time. It's probably why I have all the great tips I have today about customer service because I listened to her. So she would remove us from the situation, but that wasn't it. She wasn't done. She'd circle back and she'd say, hey, let's talk about that. What do you think it it got out of hand? And at the time, I was an assistant manager and she was a courier. So title's irrelevant when it comes to this as well. It is truly about how do you show up for each other to make sure that we are all doing the right things. Now, it does start with the leader. I said that in the first episode. I said, all roads lead to leader. I'm going to believe that forever and for always. Um, Our leader created a culture where we were allowed to question her. We were allowed to step in where she had problems. As the manager of my shift, I created an environment where I allowed my team to step in if I was making mistakes. So it really, truly just became support more so than how we define accountability today.
0: It really, what I'm hearing is obviously all roads lead back to you have to, again, build building up on each other, but you have to be comfortable with conflict because you can't hold someone uh, accountable if you can't tell them that things aren't going well or that things specifically with them aren't going well. And I use that example of, Conflict, right, with telling my peer, you know, I'm taking something 80% of the way, Susie. You need to take it 20% of the way. And I'm not going to continue doing this for you, right? That's a healthy conversation. But then they need to be accountable to their work. And it goes back to the people leader because the people leader has to say, if you don't get this done, you're going to be in some hot water.
1: Yep. The great news is when that leader has created that culture, within the team where those conversations can happen, we step up. I will tell you in that particular group, I would have done anything to make my team's lives better. In my mind, the things that we did were not about making um, Paul or a ton of money. It wasn't about making my manager look like a rock star so she could go on the yearly retreat. It wasn't about any of those things. In most cases, it really wasn't even about our customer. It was about what I needed to do to help my teams be successful. And as a result of that, you know, you asked earlier, you asked in a previous episode about how, how much effort do you get from someone who isn't willing to commit, right? Because I was fueled by a passion to help my team be successful in who they were, I would say 150% um, is what I gave every day. And I would bet if we talked to them, if we came, brought them in and pulled them, they would say something very similar. um, that They put all of their efforts into making our interactions great because they knew that it was about taking care of each other. So the issues with um, an employee who doesn't tend to finish projects, those people tend to self-select they tend to start realizing they're not going to survive in that group and it's not the right culture for them to thrive. And they tend to decide to go away on their own um, versus you having to push that because the group is willing to say what they need to say.
0: Yeah. And that's what we saw, right? We saw Susie self-select and back away because Susie just wasn't meeting the needs anymore. Right.
1: You know, it's interesting, though. I think one of the mistakes that you can make as the leader of the organization in these particular instances is to take on the responsibility of communicating your team's frustration with Susie, right? When you're the one that goes to Susie and says, your team is stressed by you, and that conversation has never come from the teammates, the problem is you've now sort of torn down the foundational goal of trust and we've said it from the beginning can't have any of this shit if you don't have trust and this other crap works if you don't have trust right and what tends to happen in those situations is now Susie if you keep her she starts to ask herself which of her teammates is complaining about her what exactly are they complaining about Is there other things that they're frustrated with? Why don't they just tell her? And maybe she is part of the problem, right? But it doesn't change the fact that perception is reality. You've kept her on your staff and now you've got her in a place where she doesn't feel like she can trust anyone on her team anymore. And so you've got to make sure that what you're creating is a fine line of team accountability and willingness to say things openly with each other with you as the leader reinforcing it. So instead of you saying your team is saying they're tired of pulling your projects through to the end because you don't do them, what you should say is, hey, I know that Michelle has talked to you about blah, 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 because it's very frustrating for her to have to pull this through. You've got to know that Michelle had that conversation, of course. But then you say, how do we get you to where you are executing at 100% because Michelle can't continue to do this for you.
0: Yeah, and there are times you see leaders, they don't do that. They literally don't hold their team accountable. They put the blame in the wrong direction with the wrong team members and so essentially what they need to do is open up their eyes. They need to take feedback as people leaders, and they need to understand how they can leverage their team to success. Because what you're going to find is you're going to be stuck with Susie, uh, who can't take the project all the way through, and the rest of the team is going to depart because now you've lost other pieces like the absence of trust by telling Susie these pieces that the team members never got a chance to talk to them about. You know, No one's having healthy conflict and you're not holding Susie accountable. So you're just letting Susie half-ass her job, pardon my French, but you're allowing you know, your other team to pick up the slack and not giving credit where credit's due.
1: So here's here's where also as a people leader, where you got to step up. If you haven't already defined what your team goals are and what your team standards are, what the vision is of your group and what the expectations are of the performers within your group, then this road comes back to you. Um, If you haven't established um, an environment of trust or an environment where conflict is encouraged, where discussions are encouraged, then you haven't created that foundation and it's going to be impossible to get to this level of accountability. Also, what that means for you as a leader is you're going to work a whole effing lot harder because it is literally where I talked about, I'm not saying performance conversations in a formal perspective shouldn't happen. There are times and places where those absolutely need to happen. But if you haven't established a culture that encourages your team to be open and honest with each other, then you're going to have to pull teeth, write people up, document everything, and you're going to have to do all of the work to get rid of your low performers because you haven't given us as a team the environment to hold each other accountable.
0: Yeah. So that's going to be the struggle, right? And it goes back to the leader. So if you're an employee listening in and there, isn't being, there aren't people being held accountable on the team you need to reference back to your people leader. You need to talk to your people leader and feel, uh, you know, again, hopefully they've created that foundation of trust, but try to figure out where the gap is because you need all parts of the team working as one.
1: You do. <laughs> so um, if you guys are at this at this podcast, at your, if you're listening to four right now um, and you're like, oh. Okay, I can't imagine that type of culture in my team. Here's what I would ask you to do. So we're going to do a quick revisit. Got to start with absence of trust. You've got to create an environment where vulnerability is accepted, where where it is a safe environment. People are genuine. They are vulnerable. They are honest about their mistakes, and they're willing to ask for help. That is the foundation. You've got to start there. By building that trust, you make it possible for your team to engage in productive conflict conversations. By productive, I mean bringing in a variety of points of view so that you can come up with the best way to roll out a project, process, procedure, et cetera. That means something Maria mentioned you've got to demonstrate restraint, means you can't speak first because they're all going to just line up behind you and follow your lead. You have to allow the resolution to happen naturally through this conversation because what you see over time is that usually people want the same goal, success, and they start to work through a variation of how it gets rolled out that incorporates everybody's point of view. You also have to model that behavior. Um, It means you have to be... Open to people being honest with you, and you have to be honest back. By doing those things, you do start to get buy in, pushing the group to commit. And then, as a group, we have all committed. So now we all walk out of the room with the intent of making each of us successful. That's where you get a culture where accountability feels like support, not punishment. But that's not all. If, you've, if you manage to make it to this level in this um, teamwork concept, there is one really phenomenal thing that happens, which is you start to see results. But if you don't have those things in place, what you get is an inattention to results, people not looking at that final product. So in the next podcast... We are going to dig into the last of the five dysfunctions and attention to results.
0: Awesome. Until next time.